Today on the Matt Wall Show, our lords and masters in the CDC and the White House have given us new COVID guidelines in their benevolence. They are now allowing us to walk outside and even have picnics without masks if we're vaccinated. So we'll talk about that. Also, five headlines, including outrage over a bill in Idaho that bans abortion after the fetal heartbeat is detected. And also outrage over a video of Wayne LaPierre, uh, NRA guy, killing an elephant. There seems to be uh, an interesting contrast between these two stories. Plus, Justin Bieber is accused of cultural appropriation for wearing dreadlocks. And in our daily cancellation, we'll deal with the claims that there is systemic racism against black NFL players. All of that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. Well, you know, I had another occasion over the weekend uh, to use rockauto.com. And uh, I've personally been a loyal Rock Auto uh, customer for a long time now. And uh, I know a lot of my listeners have been as well. Because rockauto.com is so much easier than walking into a store uh, if you need auto parts and dealing with with, uh, with all of that. And what you're going to find so often is that they don't have what you need. And uh, you gotta, they got to go online and order it anyway. You could do that yourself. You have access to rockauto.com at your desk and in your pocket anytime. Rockauto.com, you know, they're always going to offer the lowest price possible. So you you know that if you find it at rockauto.com, it's the best price anywhere. You might as well buy it there. Rockauto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. And best of all, again, the prices at rockauto.com are reliably low. They're the same whether you're professional or do-it-yourselfer. Uh, no reason to spend twice as much for the same parts. you got to go to rockauto.com for an amazing selection and reliably low prices. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write Walsh in there. How did you hear about us, Box, so they know that we sent you? If we've learned anything over the past year, it's that our lives are not our own to live. We have, we have freedom, of course, because we're Americans, but it's the freedom to do as we're told. It's the freedom to live exactly as we're instructed to live, to go where we are ordered to go, to wear what we are commanded to wear. Our masters have been generous with these freedoms, you must admit. They've allowed us, for example, to stand six feet away from each other. Uh, they've allowed us even to be maskless for several hours each night while sleeping, if we're willing to assume that kind of risk. They've made many concessions like this because they are benevolent and generous. Yesterday, proving that their generosity truly knows no bounds, both the CDC and Joe Biden announced that um, some of us, under some circumstances, can maybe enjoy a few more liberties soon. So first, the CDC released a new set of guidelines in the form of a handy chart with little pictures the pictures are important because we are very stupid and we need our masters to take that into account when they're telling us what we can and cannot do. So there's little cartoon pictures of a guy with a mask or not with a mask. According to the chart, um, both vaccinated and unvaccinated people can walk, run, or bike outdoors without masks, provided they're only with members of their own family, of course. I am overwhelmed with gratitude for this. Although I personally will choose to remove only one of my masks while walking outside. The other five will remain in place because you can never be too careful. Indeed, I cannot in good conscience remove all of my masks until the risk of death has been fully eradicated and mankind has discovered the elixir of immortality. But that's my own choice. And it's a choice that our masters allow me to make. Blessed be their names. By the way, Joy Reid agrees with me. Uh, she said on her show yesterday, that though she is fully vaccinated, she still wears two masks while jogging. Listen to this. And Dr. Gupta, I am among the fully vaccinated, uh, joined Team Pfizer, uh, and I did go jogging today in the park. Uh, and I did, this was the mask that I wore with a doctor's mask under it. And most of the people that I saw that were in the park, the park was packed, I would say like 95% of the people still had masks on. There are people who are getting really upset about that. I won't name them. Should people be freaking out that some people like myself who are vaccinated are still wearing masks outdoors? Should we do that? You know, you might listen to that and surmise that Joy Reid is a demented, paranoid, maniacal freak who should be locked in an insane asylum for her own good. You might surmise that. You might say that. I'm not saying that, but you might say that. Many people are saying that. As for me, I think she's just exercising reasonable caution. Again, it cannot be stressed enough. There is still a risk of death in general as humans. And some of us are simply not willing to live our normal lives until there is no more death of any kind in the world at all. What's wrong with that? 
Back to the CDC guidelines. Our masters also say that uh, both vaccinated and unvaccinated people are safe to attend small outdoor family gatherings. So you can, for example, sit out on your porch with your own family. You couldn't do that before. Now, if you did that before, you may have inadvertently killed untold numbers of innocent people. The virus may have traveled out of your mouth, you know, floated on the breeze, hitched a ride on a passing car, then walked up to somebody's house, rang the doorbell and murdered everybody inside. This happened many times. You know, the science doesn't lie. But now the science has changed. It is now safe to sit on your porch. The science of porch sitting is quite fluid. We've discovered but, but the CDC warns it is still unsafe to dine outdoors without a mask if you're unvaccinated. You must make sure to keep the mask on while you're eating if you're not vaccinated. Now, this seems difficult at first, and uh, that's why I've actually developed the ability to eat with my ears, which is kind of interesting. I will, in fact, um, shove the food into my ears and then slowly absorb the nutrients that way. Now, there's still some risk involved here. Ear infections can be a major issue. I think I still have last Thursday's mashed potatoes lodged in there somewhere. It also means um, I have to take my earplugs out, providing an opportunity for the virus to sneak in. But it's still certainly safer than taking all of my masks off and and eating with my mouth like some kind of heathen. From there, uh, the CDC says that, of course, if you're going into a crowd of people, even if you're vaccinated, you must wear a mask. Is there any evidence that there's any measurable risk of contracting or spreading the virus in a crowd if you're vaccinated? Well, no, but our masters don't need to provide evidence. Asking for evidence is anti-science. It's also quite rude, frankly. After all, you know, I mean, think about all they've done for us. And here you are asking for evidence. Here you are expecting them to have, you know, reasons for the things they say and the rules they make. You ungrateful, snide little brat. I would spit on you if the CDC told me it was safe. Needless to say, uh, the rest of the revised CDC guidelines make it clear that indoors, everyone must wear a mask, vaccinated or not, and nobody is safe indoors. If you're unvaccinated, you're not safe indoors or outdoors. Your best bet is to find a way to open up a portal to another dimension so that you can reside neither indoors nor outdoors, nor in any physical place at all. It truly disgusts me, you know, honestly, that so many unvaccinated people have not even bothered to open up an interdimensional portal at all. Yet another basic safety precaution that these people cannot be bothered to take. Now, Joe Biden, in response to the new CDC guidelines, gave a speech explaining the rules in more detail. And here's what he said. Earlier today, the CDC made an important announcement. Starting today, if you're fully vaccinated and you're outdoors, you need, and not in a big crowd, you no longer need to wear a mask. I want to be absolutely clear. If you're in a crowd, like a stadium or at a conference, or a concert, you still need to wear a mask, even if you're outside. But beginning today, gathering with a group of friends in a park, going for a picnic, as long as you are vaccinated and outdoors, you can do it without a mask. Wow. Yes, the president of the United States has given us permission to go for a picnic as long as we're vaccinated. As for other activities we, uh, we might want to engage in, he says that maybe we'll be able to do some of that stuff after July 4th. Next week, I'll be laying out the path ahead to continue our fight against COVID-19 to get us to July 4th. This is our target date to get life in America closer to normal and began to celebrate our independence from the virus together with our friends and our loved ones as we celebrate Independence Day. Now, you might ask, um, whatever will be safe to do after July 4th, why isn't it safe to do that stuff now? What's so special about that date? I know what's special about it symbolically, but what's special about it scientifically? Does the virus know that it's July 4th? Is the virus looking to make a grand poetic exit on July 4th? Has Biden talked to the virus and learned of this plan? I wouldn't put it past him. But again, these are questions. And you should not be asking questions. Your job is simply to live every aspect of your life in accordance with whatever random rules and policies are put in place by the bureaucrats and politicians who rule over us. Your job is not to ask questions. Your job is not to be skeptical. 
Your job is not to demand accountability from your leaders. All of those things were fine, even good, before COVID. But COVID changed all of that. How did COVID change it? Why did COVID change it? Well, there you go again, asking more questions. It's like you never learn. Just do as you're told. That is how you'll remain alive. Until you die of something else, which you will. But don't think about that right now. Now let's get to our five headlines. You know, we all have our burdens to carry. One burden that I carry is I encounter in my life a lot of beard envy. You know, that's the one thing. It's a risk as a man when you grow a glorious, luscious beard like I have. Uh, you're gonna, there's, there are a lot of envious people out there. And, uh, but look, if you're envious of my beard and you want to have a glorious beard of your own, uh, check out Beard Supply. Um, that's what I use. That's what you should be using. And we know, we know something about, about men, right? Manly men grow beards, they grill meat, and they drink handcrafted booze. Those, those three things. Those are three things we all know. And thanks to the manliest giveaway ever, some lucky guy will be able to do all of those things for free. The other thing is, real manly men, they figure out a way to do all that for free because we're also cheap. Let's be honest. Enter to win a stash of goods from Beard Supply, Meat Church, Desert Door, Howler Brothers, and more badass brands for the red-blooded American male. One lucky bearded winner will get a stash of beard oils and grooming essentials from Beard Supply, which you really need. If you're going to grow the beard, you got to take care of it. Damn it. You also get tools for grilling and leather care and a $200 shopping spree with outdoor menswear brand Howler Brothers. You can up your man game with this stash of goods. So enter the uh, Beard Supply Spring Giveaway. Go to beardsupply.com slash giveaway. That's beardsupply.com slash giveaway. And good luck. So two stories here that uh, might may seem at first disconnected, but we'll start with this from the Daily Wire. It says, Idaho's Republican governor signed a bill into law on Tuesday banning abortions after a fetal heartbeat can be detected. Governor Brad Little signed the Fetal Heartbeat Preborn Child Protection Act, which prohibits medical providers from performing abortion procedures after a fetal heartbeat can be detected, which is around four to six weeks of pregnancy. Um, a woman uh, who received an abortion would be allowed to sue the medical provider who performed it. Well, that's interesting. Uh, a woman who receives the abortion can sue the medical provider who performed it. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with, with, with the abortionists getting sued, don't get me wrong. But the woman who chose to go through with that, why, is she, why does she get to sue? Um, anyway, the only exceptions to the ban are abortions in case of rape, incest, or medical emergencies. And a woman seeking abortion for rape or incest must provide the abortion doctor with a copy of a police report. Uh, Little said, quote, Idaho is a state that values the most innocent of all lives, the lives of babies. We should never relent in our effort to protect the lives of the preborn. Now, obviously, I'm totally in favor of a law like this. I don't, you know, I, I don't like the exceptions being put in place. Um, but I'm not, I wouldn't oppose the law on that basis. It's certainly a lot better than not having the law at all. And the reason I don't like the exception is because you know, the, the whole basis, right, for uh, putting the law in place is to protect the rights of the unborn human. And what we're saying is it's, it's not okay to kill an, an innocent, defenseless human being. That actually is the entire case of the pro-life movement. That's it. That's all we're saying. It is never okay to kill an innocent and defenseless human being. Not the same thing as saying it's never okay to kill a human being. There are situations where you could do that. Self-defense being one, obviously. But innocent and defenseless, you can't uh, kill an innocent and defenseless human being. Um, and if that is our case, which it is our case as, as pro-lifers, I'm not sure what other case we could possibly make. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, if that's not the basis for us being opposed to abortion, I don't know what the basis would be. Then it doesn't make sense to have exceptions for rape and incest. Um, for the, for the, for those, the, the small minority of cases of abortions that stem for rape, from rape and incest, and you're talking about less than 1%, but even in those cases, um, we want to talk about abortions for rapists. Okay. You want a death penalty for rapists? I'm all ears. We can have that conversation. Uh, but I don't believe in killing the children of rapists as a penalty, whether they're born or unborn, but in any case. Um, generally speaking, this obviously is, is, a, is a major step in the right direction. Now, uh, 
pro-abortion people are not happy about this, needless to say. But then that brings us to the next story. This is from USA Today. It says, quote, wildlife conservationists are outraged after video released by The New Yorker and The Trace Tuesday shows the head of the National Rifle Association and his wife fatally shooting two endangered elephants in Botswana in 2013. The news outlet said they obtained a copy of the video, which was originally filed or rather filmed for an NRA sponsored television series, but never aired due to public relation concerns. In the 10 minute video, Wayne LaPierre Jr., Executive Vice President of the NRA can be seen shooting and wounding a savanna elephant. His guides tracked for him in Botswana's Okimbengo Delta. The video shows LaPierre failing to kill the animal with three shots at point-blank range um, as the animal lies immobile on the ground. And then finally, he has to bring someone else in to kill the animal. Now, this video went viral. It's all over the place on, on Twitter and social media. Um, people very, very upset about it. You, know, you, you can go to, to the YouTube video. Um, so I think that the New Yorker has it on their, on their channel. And you can watch it. Look at the comments underneath. It is, people are, to put it mildly, extremely upset about this. And I can't help but notice that a lot of the people upset about a law stopping quote-unquote doctors from killing unborn humans are the same people who are upset about killing an elephant in Africa. A lot of the same, not all the same people. Now, if you are pro-life and you're also against big game hunting or any kind of hunting, I don't care. You can be pro-life and you're a vegetarian. You don't think we should kill any animals. I respect that point of view. As long as you understand the hierarchy here, as long as you don't put people and animals on the same plane, because they're not. As long as you understand that, that human life is more important than animal life, uh, but you still don't like the idea of killing animals, I totally respect that view. It's not my view. I personally don't care about hunting that much. I, I, I also don't, it's not what I would choose to do with my time. If I had a, you know, two weeks of vacation, I'm not going to go halfway across the world to shoot an elephant at point blank range. I don't, I don't under, quite understand that as a recreational activity. Um, but to be honest, I don't really care that much one way or another. Uh, and if that's your view as a pro-lifer, fine, totally cool. But we know that a great number of animal rights activists, environmentalists, wildlife conservationists, the people that are so upset about this, um, many of them are on the left. And so they get this, they have this visceral reaction of outrage and anger when someone kills an elephant but they feel nothing about human children in the womb, human beings being ripped apart and discarded as, as waste, just thrown out like they're nothing. So, you know, there, there are many differences between big game hunting or any kind of hunting and abortion. The number one primary difference, of course, is that one is a human life and one is an animal, like an elephant. Um, Another, another, another difference here is that in abortion, you know, the life has no value whatsoever. It's not, it's not valued at all. We just, we just toss this, um, I was talking about last week, it, the, the, the unborn child becomes to the abortionist and the abortion clinic becomes medical waste. We, it's literally tossed in a, in a dumpster or harvested for parts like an old, uh, like Buick or something being, being harvested for parts. That's, that's abortion. And the people who can see, and this is what I, I could, I can never quite wrap my head around this mentality where you could look at an elephant and see enormous or a rhino or whatever, uh, big game, you know, prey there, there might be, you could look at an animal like that and see enormous, value. Yet you could look at a sonogram, for example, and not see any value at all. Nothing. It's not even that, that you're putting them on the same plane. It's that with the unborn child, you see no value. You see garbage. You see a, a, like a cancerous tumor. You see a, a clump of cells or whatever phrase you want to use. I, ca I cannot understand that. You know, in the, in the, in the unborn child, 
That's that's one of the reasons why, you know, this excuse that you hear from pro-abortion people where they say, oh, um, you know, the the unborn, the the, or the fetus is uh, not a person. It's, uh, you know, it's a it's a potential person. And I always say, first of all, that's obviously not true. That's that's a, a person. A person is a human being and that is a human being. If it's not a human being, then what is it? What species is it if it's not of the human species? Fetus is not a species. Fetus is a stage of development. Not the same thing. It's like saying, oh, that's not a human. That's not a person. That's a middle-aged man. Okay, middle-aged man, that's a stage of development for, uh, for a human person. Fetus, quote-unquote, is also a stage of development. But even if I were to agree that, okay, it's a, quote-unquote, potential person, even which I don't, but even then, I would see this potential person as a thing of enormous, um, incalculable value. I would still see it as more valuable than an elephant. Or at an absolute minimum, you would see it as equal in value. What I don't understand is no value. And that's why I just can't, I can't respect it. If you're, if you're, if your opposition to hunting comes from your abundance of love for life in general, that I respect. But for a lot of people, it's a, it's not that they value life. It's not, it's not even that they value the elephant's life. It's really all about them, right? They see the elephant and to them, an elephant is majestic and beautiful and, and cute or whatever. And so that's why they say you can't kill that. But they don't personally feel anything when they think about an unborn child. And so they say, well, you can, you, you can kill that. It doesn't matter. So it really is all about them in the end. Now, I can't respect that. All right, number two, the Daily Caller did a little man on the street segment interviewing uh, people in Brooklyn Center, Minneapolis, and people in D.C. about rioting and looting and, and how they, they feel about that. And the contrast is really interesting here. So let's... Um, it's kind of the contrast that maybe you're already expecting, but let's watch it. Today we are north of Minneapolis in Brooklyn Center, and we're in Washington, D.C., asking people what they think of riots and looting. Let's see what they say. What do you think about rioting? A lot of the looting that happened in Ferguson, just like here, is only caused by opportunists. Like, change needs to be made, and if it's not getting done in the traditional avenues, then rioting is a good option. I guarantee you, nine times out of ten, the people that were looting are not from this area. If rioting is what gets people's attention, then I think that's necessary. When there's something like this goes on, the opportunistic people come out and they try to dehumanize this. I mean, I think all violence is bad violence, but in the case when systems aren't responding to any other forms of change, I can understand people getting frustrated to the point that they need to take other avenues. We ain't gotta be out here doing the dumb The one that is doing the dumb is the ones that's that's taking it to a different toe. I think that there's a lot of systematic oppression within the United States and that looting and rioting is very small in comparison to that. So, of course, bigotry of low expectations there, uh, or or rather bigotry of, of no expectations at all. Uh, we all know that not a lot of commentary is needed. I did appreciate the one, one girl who says, she's just wrong. You, you couldn't be more wrong in a single sentence where she says, all violence is bad violence, uh, but ro- looting and rioting can be okay. That, that's completely incomprehensible. It, that's, no part of that is accurate. All violence is bad violence? What does that even mean? If you're trying to say that all violence is bad, well, then, then how is rioting okay exactly? All violence is bad without exception, except for the exception of rioting and looting. That's the exception you make for your belief that all violence is bad? The exception is stealing from Foot Locker and burning it to the ground on the way out? No, no, all violence is not bad. Some violence is, is morally uh, licit, like self-defense. But once again, we go back to what we're saying with abortion. It, it, when, you're, when you're committing violence against innocent people who didn't do anything to you, and are not presenting any any presenting themselves as a threat to you in any way whatsoever. That's a really good indication that it is bad violence. 
That's what looting and rioting is. Because it's being done against people who didn't, totally innocent. What are the, the, guy, the, people, the guy who runs the, the local CVS, what the hell did he do? That's the point. All right, number three, I wanted to mention this. Um, I talked about the story of Sam Johnson yesterday. He was attacked by the cancel mob based on an out-of-context video that supposedly shows him, quote-unquote, harassing a guy in a prom dress. Uh, but really, the video shows the, suppo- the supposed harasser is the one getting harassed in the video. And, um, and you could go back and watch that segment from the Daily Cancellation yesterday if you didn't see it. And we play the video and everything. I'm not going to play it again. But I did that segment before the Daily Wire published it, its article on this story with some more of um, Sam Johnson's own side of the story. So I want to read this. This is from Amanda Press Giacomo here at the Daily Wire. It says, Nashville resident Sam Johnson was fired from his position as CEO of healthcare company Visual on Monday. His family was doxxed online and he has received a, a deluge of threats. But that, quote, enormous volume of hate, Johnson told the Daily Wire, is based on a false media-inflamed narrative stemming from an out-of-context viral video. Um, The uh, onslaught was sparked by a video of Johnson that recently went viral online, appearing to show him engaging in alleged, quote, homophobia, though notably not once in the video does Johnson utter any homophobic slur or use any profanity. Um, The... uh, So, okay, so then it describes the video. We, We already know about that part. Here's Johnson talking to the Daily Wire and giving a little bit of context. Uh, And it's similar to what he told Newsweek, but this is what he says. Uh, Johnson says, they had been, they, speaking of the teens, had been at the hotel slash restaurant for an hour, causing a scene and being loud and obnoxious. I was perturbed that the management wasn't doing anything to protect the rest of us who are paying customers with our kids present. These teens were only there to take pictures and cause a public scene. There are many lies in the mainstream articles and interviews, including the allegations of homophobic name-calling and following him. Um, Johnson said, told the Daily Wire he did say that Stevens looked like an idiot, but said nothing homophobic. And he did look like an idiot, by the way, in the prom dress. Prom dresses which are made for women, not men. And so when you wear a prom dress, you're going to look ridiculous. Um, and, and, And the thing is, almost everyone will feel that way. It's just that very few will say it out loud. Um, notably, as the video shows, Johnson w- was called names himself himself by the, uh, by the two teens. He was told to F off and uh, other expletives. And in terms of him supposedly following the teen, here's what he told the Daily Wire. The door I was headed towards in the video led back to the table I was sitting at with my family. Stevens, who's the guy in the dress, uh, headed in the same direction all of a sudden, which made it appear I was following him to the uninformed viewer uh, of their social post, which I was not doing. I was simply returning to my family at the restaurant when they escalated the conversation with more foul and vile language and leading statements about what they thought I might be thinking, trying to get me to agree to their words. Um, and so there you go. That's, that's, that's his side of the story. And since, as far as I know, nobody else, and there were a bunch of other people there when this all happened, no one else has come forward and said anything one way or another. So it's kind of a he said, he said thing. And you could decide who you believe. I personally will say, um, I, I believe Sam Johnson on this. His, his version of events makes sense. You know, I could see it playing out that way. You got these two teenagers. And by the way, when we say teens, I mean, they are teenagers, but the guy filming was as a college student, and the guy in the dress is 18 years old. So these are actually grown adult men. Um, so you've got the two men there. One's wearing a prom dress, looking for attention, and admits that's why he was wearing it, to break the stigma. Okay, so he's trying to make a statement. He's looking for attention. Um, they're being loud, obnoxious. You know, that, that rings true. Anyone who's been around 18 and 19-year-olds... Maybe that might ring true. You know, you, you can imagine them all in one setting being loud and obnoxious. An adult goes over, tries talking to them. And now they say, okay, now, now we've got, we, we, we've reeled in. We've sent our bait out there and we've reeled somebody in. Let's get the camera out and, um, and get the reaction we're hoping for. And that's where the guy filming it, Geitman, starts feeding lines to Sam Johnson saying, oh, you think he looks disgusting? You think he looks gross? Not because... Johnson had said that, but because he was suggesting, oh, here, here are some insults you can say on camera so that I can put it online and claim that you're a homophobe. It is just so obvious that that's what was happening. Even if we never got this side of the story from Johnson, I would, I would assume that 
based on my own common sense. And the first common sense thing is, again, why does a guy wear something like that to begin with? It's for attention. It's to get a reaction. And he got one. After much effort, it seems like he got one. But what I really want to, you know, of course you're going to have the cancel mob, these, these mindless drones. They see the video. They, uh, even though it's clearly out of context, it picks up in the middle of some kind of encounter. There's something before that that happened. But, of the, but the mindless drones online, they don't think about that. They don't care. Uh, they assume they have all the context they need. And so, of course, they're going to act that way. Then you have people like Kathy Griffin doxing the family. Uh, well, she's she's a scumbag, and, and so she's going to act like a scumbag. She's a scumbag who's never contributed anything of value to society whatsoever. And um, so you expect that of her. Not that it makes it okay. For me, the, the 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 number one villain in this story, even more than the the men who are provoking this on purpose, it seems. Uh, the number one villain. Villain is Visuel, the company that Sam Johnson worked for. And they, they kick him to the curb within hours of this video going viral, claiming that they, we investigated it. Well, how much of an investigation could you possibly do in a few hours on a Sunday or whenever it was? No, it's just, um, I mean, this is someone who's your, who's your CEO. I don't know how long you worked there. But he was working there. You hadn't fired him before for for any reason. So presumably he was doing his job well. Kick him right to the curb. You know, if you're if if you work at Visuel, now this this tells you something. This is how Visuel values its people, which is not at all. They're not going to stand by you. You're done. It's not, and it's not just that they fired him, but they publicly condemned him, threw him to the wolves. This abhorrent behavior, we condemn it. It wasn't even as though they, they, they quietly handled it in a professional, private way. Oh, they threw them right to the wolves. Not the only company to do that, but um, I, I, I would say if you work for a company and you see them respond to a PR crisis this way, where they their first reaction is to take their person, the guy you know works for them, and throw them under the bus, then, uh, you know, if I worked for Visual or a company like that, I'd be looking for employment elsewhere because you could be next. And that tells you they don't value you. They don't care about you. They have no loyalty to you whatsoever. All right. Number four, Joe Rogan was trending yesterday with um, people calling for him to be fired and uh, outraged over this from his podcast. Let's listen people say do you think it's safe to get vaccinated i've said yeah i think for the most part it's safe to get vaccinated i do i do but if you're like 21 years old and you say to me should i get vaccinated i, I go no yeah. are you healthy are you a healthy person like look don't do anything stupid but you should take care of yourself you yeah. should if you're if you're a healthy person and you're exercising all the time and you're young and you're eating well and like i don't think you need to worry about this yeah, I, t- I tend to agree with you. But there's a uh, lot of jobs that will tell you you need to have this. Well, that's what's but starting to happen now. Wor- People are worried about them doing it for their children. And we talked about this earlier, yeah. There's that the, the, the you might have to have your, your children vaccinated. And, you know, I can tell you as someone who's both both my children got the, va- the, the virus, it was nothing. I mean, I hate to say that. If someone's children died from this, I'm very sorry that that happened. I'm not... I'm not in any way diminishing that, but I'm saying the personal experience that my children had with COVID was nothing. One of the kids had a headache. The other one didn't feel good for a couple of days. Yeah. Like maybe, I mean, not feel good. Like, mm, like no, no big deal. No coughing, right. no, no, no achy, no, like an agony. There was none of that. It was very mild. It was, it was akin to them getting a cold. Okay. People are really upset about that. Nothing he said there was extreme. All of it perfectly sensible. But even in that, he feels the need to almost apologize for and add a lot of qualification to his own experience or his children's own experience with the virus. You know, it it reminds me of, I saw this morning on Twitter, some, some guy in media was apologizing because he apparently had a few days prior 
gotten the vaccine, had some side effects, uh, you know, he's feeling sick, and he tweeted about that. Uh, and then today he apologized for tweeting it and uh, telling people his own experience because he was, uh, you know, he realized it was irresponsible and it might cause people to not get the vaccine. So we're at, we're at a point now where you're, you're, you're not supposed to even talk about your own experience. If it might encourage people to make choices that the powers that be don't want them to make. But everything Joe Rogan said, they're perfectly sensible. Um, yeah, if you're if you're a healthy 21 year old, get the vaccine if you want. Yeah, there's 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 no real pressing medical need for it, and that's it. Make your own choice. Um, finally, this is from the Guardian. It says Justin Bieber, really important story here, uh, has been accused of cultural appropriation and uh, being a dilettante, dipping his toe in the culture, quote unquote, after changing his hairstyle. The Canadian singer debuted uh, his new dreadlock style on Sunday on Instagram, then posted a close-up on Monday. As in 2016, when he was pictured in cornrows, the images prompted outrage on social media. And I don't have to re- read all the outrage reactions, but, but suffice it to say, he had dreadlocks. And uh, there are a lot of people who have opinions about, the, about Justin Bieber's hairstyle and who even remember his hairstyle from 2016. And they haven't gotten over that yet. They're traumatized by it. And now he's just adding insult to injury. He, he, he's having, here he is with, with, with another hairstyle that he's not allowed to have because he's white. Now, I'll say, and I, I did see the picture of uh, Justin Bieber with the dreadlocks. I, I, I really, I basically have no opinion about what hairstyle Justin Bieber chooses to have. Um, if I was forced to have an opinion, I would say it's, it's not my favorite thing. You know, the, the dreadlocks, it's, it's, it's not my favorite look. Is it cultural appropriation? No. No, because cultural appropriation doesn't exist. You can't, you can't appropriate a culture. It's not the kind of thing that can be stolen from somebody. Uh, you're not, when you appropriate something, you're, you're taking something away from someone else and depriving them of it. But there's not anyone out there. As far as I know, the fact that Justin Bieber has dreadlocks right now, that, that's not preventing anyone else from having them, is it? And also, um, dreadlocks, you know, black people don't own dreadlocks and didn't invent them. Uh, dreadlocks have existed throughout history, for, throughout human history, in many different cultures. Again, not my favorite look in any culture, but, uh, but anyone is, is free to do what they want with their hair. All right, let's, let's move on to reading the comments. This one says, I'm a photographer from Michigan. Last night, I was shooting a couple for a pregnancy announcement. Wait, I was shooting a couple. Okay, with a camera. Hopefully, you were shooting the, the couple with the pregnancy announcement. You were shooting them with a the camera, I assume. Dad is a firefighter and mom is a nurse. We had a 20-minute standoff with some womanly man because, their words, not mine, because he refused to walk past us because we weren't wearing masks outside. Both parents couldn't believe how insane this was. Uh, I wish that I could assume you were exaggerating, but I can imagine exactly this scenario. He was afraid to walk past you because you weren't wearing masks. Well, can I say, it, it sounds like you guys handled this exactly the correct way, which is it sounds like you refused to put the mask on, which is, which is, which is correct. That's what you need to do. This is totally his problem. Completely your problem. If you don't want to be around other people without a mask on, especially outside, that's your problem, not ours. You got to deal with that. If that means you have to stay locked in your home for, you know, the next couple of years while more and more people go maskless outside, that's, it's your choice, your problem. I don't care. I'm not going to do a single damn thing to accommodate your paranoid delusions. And I'm glad that you guys here in this case didn't. Well done. Um, Let's see. Another comment says, my aunt wears a mask to sleep. I asked her why. She said, I'm scared of the virus, and this way I feel safer. I, I mentioned wearing a mask to sleep earlier in the show as a, like a joke. She actually wears a mask to sleep. I, I, that's why I've been saying people's brains are broken. This is, that's in. That's insane behavior. 
And there's no way that could be healthy to restrict your breathing like that every night while you're sleeping. Oh, my Lord. That, that, that's, that's scary stuff. That's actually scary and sad. It's a little funny, but it's also scary and sad. Um, Cecilia says, I hold all parents responsible for this mask insanity. I pull my kids out of public school the minute this lunacy was enacted last year. I refuse to torture my children at the behest of an insane society. No, no, no. I don't care what sacrifice one has to make to keep their kids home. Do it. It's your, it's your kids, for goodness sakes. Yeah, that's the, especially with children. You, you know, you know, how do we really make this end? It's you refuse to comply with it. You refuse to go along with it, especially where your kids are concerned. Um, and another says, Matt, you missed the critical phrase. Mr. Hornick, president of the Michigan chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics, said, quote, and as they get older, they obviously are going to start asking questions. This means he never sees an end to wearing a mask. Yeah, I did think about that. We played the, the news report out of Michigan of um, th- their mask mandate now for two to four year olds. And the president of the uh, uh, Michigan chapter of the, of the American Academy of Pediatrics was talking about, you know, how do you get kids to wear a mask? And he did use the phrase. He said, uh, well, you, you put, make sure they wear the mask. And as they get older, they're going to have more questions and you can answer those questions. As they get older? So how, how many years do you think our kids are going to spend in these masks? Um, and finally, I got a lot of comments like this says, Matt, you think the news crew went out and found the same VHS that was rented and not returned? You, sir, are canceled. Yeah, we talked about the story of the woman who um, in Oklahoma City who, was, who got a felony charge years ago because she didn't return a Sabrina the Teenage Witch VHS tape. And they showed footage of a VHS tape with Sabrina the Teenage Witch written on it, like handwritten. And I pointed out that what kind of rental place sells a tape with handwriting on it? And many people said, well, that obviously wasn't the, the actual tape. I understand that, but you know what? That's fake news. If you're going to show footage of the tape, I want to see the actual tape. All right, these are the standards that I hold our press to. Make sure you join us tonight for a special episode of Backstage where we'll, we'll finally be watching Biden's first congressional speech live. I don't know why it says finally here, like it's something I've been looking forward to. I've just been, I've been waiting for his first congressional speech. The moment has arrived. Thank God. Uh, we'll also be giving our analysis in real time. Biden has kept us waiting uh, for so long for this speech that we all, everywhere I go, people are asking me, when's Biden going to give that speech? I just, I can't wait to watch it. Um, so you know that we're, we're ready to, to watch it and give our analysis. It streams tonight at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 Central on dailywire.com and on our YouTube channel, Daily Wire. So make sure you're there for that. All right. Another high energy episode of Candace is also coming to you this Friday. This week, Candace hosts political commentator and interviewer Dave Rubin. We'll have a lot to discuss, um, including the recall election of Governor Gavin Newsom in California and his new opponent, Caitlyn Jenner, as we've talked about on this show. Be interested to see what they have to say about it. Subscribe now and stream Candace live on Fridays at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, only on Daily Wire. And uh, get 25% off a new membership with code Candace at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. You know, if there's one place in modern America where success is entirely determined or has been entirely determined by merit and skill, it's in professional sports. Of course, there are always going to be controversies about this or that player getting the starting job while this or that supposedly better player is on the bench. But overall, speaking in broad strokes, the the, the people playing sports at the highest level are there because they're simply the best of the best. And in many cases, uh, these are not people who come from privilege and wealth. You know, it doesn't or didn't matter what your socioeconomic background was. The people playing at the highest level were there because they were very, very talented and had worked obsessively hard. That's one of the things I always liked about sports. You can watch sports and see people who are extremely good at what they do competing against one another according to the rules that are the same for everyone and may the best man or best team win. It's not a perfect system. The rules certainly aren't perfect and most definitely aren't enforced in a perfect way, but But still, generally it works and it's fun to watch. And all of this, of course, means that the left has to try and ruin it. So over on ESPN, sports commentator Max Kellerman yesterday expressed concern. His antenna has been raised, he says, about the possibility that the top three quarterbacks selected in tomorrow's NFL draft might all be white guys. That's a big problem to have too many white guys drafted in a row, Kellerman thinks. And he's not alone. Uh, But here he is explaining. 
Well, a lot, a lot of football people really like Mac Jones the more they look at him. Um, and so, like, I, I, like you, Stephen, I'll defer to their wisdom. But I will say this. I think what, what rubs people the wrong way, maybe like you, Stephen, I know it's on my radar, is that sometimes quarterbacks rise, sometimes they fall. But what I've noticed in recent years, after decades of artificial barriers being put in place for black quarterbacks, that vis-a-vis white quarterbacks, black quarterbacks in the draft – tend to fall pre-draft, their evaluations. And sometimes it's right. Like, Daniel Jones looks like he's going to be better than Dwayne Haskins. And sometimes it's wrong. Like, Mitch Trubisky is not as good as Deshaun Watson or certainly not Patrick Mahomes, right? But I say Watson because he seemed to be the guy falling and Trubisky the guy rising. And Mahomes maybe didn't do either. But the point is the correlation that can be made is that your status falls vis-a-vis white quarterbacks and so that's why my antenna are up when I notice one two and three this year white guy white guy white guy right but that may be correct yes well you can't blame Max Kellerman he has some unfortunate deficiencies vis-a-vis IQ points and now he's worried that there's racism against black quarterbacks as I said he's not alone there's a lengthy article on the website the undefeated claiming that there is quote covert racism in the NFL which makes it so that whiteness is favored reading from the article it says In the case of the lead-up to this week's NFL draft, covert forms of racism in the evaluation process tend to favor whiteness. Make no mistake, Fields, uh, one of the NFL uh, quarterback prospects, will be one of the first five quarterbacks taken in the draft. But the fact that he started the college season as the consensus number two quarterback prospect before inexplicably dropping as low as the fifth quarterback at times in some mock drafts behind two white players with lesser pedigrees is an indictment of the antiquated system as it pertains to black quarterbacks. And this idea that the NFL is somehow systematically, systemically racist against black people extends beyond the playing field. We've heard for years that there's a, a racist conspiracy to keep black people from being head coaches. The league is so concerned about this that they've adopted a plan to reward teams with draft picks if they develop minority coaches who go on to become head coaches or GMs. It's only a matter of time before similar incentives are given to teams to draft black quarterbacks or black players at other positions. The plan is to take this last bastion of sanity where merit and skill have reigned supreme and completely destroy it by forcing it to submit to the left's rules of identity politics. As we've learned, the left cannot allow anything to exist on its own terms and by its own rules. Now, certainly, if they can invent systemic racism in professional sports, they can do it anywhere. If they can find the white privilege phantom In modern professional sports, they can find it anywhere. So consider this. 70% of NFL players are black. um, Or rather are uh, are people of color, to use the politically correct phrase. Black people only make up 13% of the population. So that 13% supplies nearly three quarters of the world's millionaire professional football players. And yet somehow the league is still racist against that same group. And it gets better. Focusing specifically on quarterbacks, the position where white people are supposedly favored. Four of the top five highest paid quarterbacks in the league are black. Four of the top five. And soon it'll be five of the top five once Lamar Jackson gets his payday and is past his rookie deal. So looking over to the other positions, we find that along with quarterback, the highest paid wide receiver, highest paid offensive guard, highest paid defensive tackle, highest paid linebacker, highest paid cornerback, and highest paid safety are all black. And usually the highest paid running back is black too, but every once in a while, you know, you get a a white guy like Christian McCaffrey who bucks that trend, but generally that's the way that would go. And we could go further. The the, the most high profile, flashiest, and highest paid positions on the field are quarterback, wide receiver, cornerback, and probably these days pass, pass rusher, so outside linebacker and defensive end. As established, the highest paid quarterbacks are black. Nearly every wide receiver in the league is black. Nearly every cornerback in the league is black. And pass rusher is a pretty good racial mix. So systemic racism against black people in the NFL? If this is systemic racism, then what would it need to look like in order to not be systemic racism? Do we need to simply evict every white person from the league? Should we make them all water boys? Should Aaron Rodgers be on the sideline collecting sweaty towels and Gatorade cups? What do the race hustlers need to see? 
What would make Max Kellerman's antenna go back down? The irony is that, is that the people pretending to stand up for minority athletes, and we can hardly call them minority athletes as they are the majority in their chosen field, but the people pretending to come to their aid are actually only cheapening and degrading their achievements. The more artificial pressure that's put on teams to elevate black players and coaches, the more that those players and coaches are robbed of their achievements by casting the achievement as the result of a policy rather than their own skill and and, uh, hard work. This is already happening with black coaches. Any black man hired as a head coach may well have gotten the job because he was the best man for it. Or it could be because of the enormous professional and social pressure put on teams with head coaching vacancies to hire a minority candidate. It's impossible to know now. Affirmative action, as always, hurts the people it's trying to hurt. So at least it succeeds in that. But it also hurts the people it's trying to help. And it does it all in an effort to solve a problem that doesn't exist. And that's why Max Kellerman at ESPN, along with all the other race baiters at that network, which is like all of them, and in sports media, um, all of them today are canceled. And that'll do it for us today. Leave it there. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodosky. The show is edited by Sasha Tolmachov. Our audio is mixed by Mike Koromina. Hair makeup is done by Nika Geneva. And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. An improbable Republican floats a bid for president. A bunch of states pass excellent regulation. And BLM gets caught with its fingers in the cookie jar. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.